and welcome back to another episode of the Nothing To Do Podcast. I am your host, Jeremy. Boy, I'm fucking tired, man. It has been a long week. A long week. I'm recording this a week after the last episode dropped. A day, two days after that, that, um, that terrible Celtics loss. Boy, that one, that one was tough to watch. Um, but I'm not going to get into sports too much today. Maybe a little bit at the end of the episode. It's funny, at the school that I've been working at, this new school in, in Massachusetts, same type of private school that I was at before, more or less, I've been working with this affinity group for, for um, boys of color, for the middle schoolers. Um, and it's a great space for them, uh, sort of just to kind of unpack a lot of, you know, feelings and sort of the day-to-day, what's it like to be a person of color in a predominantly white space um, in that type of private school setting. Um, I wish I had something like this, something I had access to like this uh, when I was their age. So, like, I love helping out. Honestly, they suck. They fucking suck sometimes because at the end of the day, they're still fucking 11, 12, 13-year-old boys and... To get, like, serious discourse going, it takes a lot. And sometimes when we catch the momentum on whatever we're talking about, the meeting ends, right? But it's frustrating, yo, because... So last... Yesterday was our last meeting, right? It was our last meeting, and we're talking about, you know... We had plans to, like, play, you know, I think some Pictionary game. Just keep it light that day. And it ended up just it being... It turning into, you know... The students and the boys telling stories about just, like, fucked up double standard behavior they're still experiencing at the school. And, like, and there's really nothing that's being done about it. And it sucks because it's just, like, this school is so, so, it's, like, basically, like, there's still, you know, there's still, like, white girls running around here saying the N-word, calling people monkeys, fucking, you know, you know, the guy saying that, uh, that they're hitting that they're hitting, like, the they're hitting the guys and saying shit like, oh, you can't do anything back, shit like that, which is, like, stuff like that is, it's cute, and obviously, like, they're young, and, you know, the girls may have crushes and stuff like that, but it's just, like, yo, like, what, where where is, like, the discipline in that? It's just, like, they, they, it's frustrating. The, the, the disciplinaries in charge, right, they, they focus their attention more, and it's just, like, they seem to come down or come down on, on tougher stuff like students fighting and like suspending kids for that. And then like, like we go through cycles of like stories like this, whether it's like super sexist or homophobic or racist, where it's just like they have these restorative justice um, gatherings where it's just like everybody comes in and talks about how they feel about whatever transpired, right? And in theory, it's good and it's tough because it's like the students and they've said it themselves that like they don't necessarily agree with it and it's tough at that age to understand, and it feels like it's very, like, since the students don't care, then it's just, like, they do it and move on, right? It's very performative. And in theory, I do like that idea, but it's just, like, what what are we actually doing in teaching these kids in terms of, you know, what's right and wrong, what you can get, what's... You're, you're basically showing them that, like, you can get away with saying all this fucked up stuff and, like, you get, like, these like crazy slaps on the wrist when, like, kids get in trouble, get in more trouble for far less or, like, severe shit, right? 
And it's tough because it's just like at the end of the day, right? These are eighth graders, and like even this, it, it, I don't know exactly who this girl is, but if it if it is who I think it is, like this is this is a person that's like, and it's, I'm just going with the specific example because there was a lot of stories of just like, like borderline racist shit going on at this school, just like kids, like white kids being dumb as shit, and it's just like kids are dumb, and we understand that, and at the end of the day, you can't judge. You can't judge somebody by their worst actions. You are never your the worst thing that you did, right? And they're young. But it's just like there is where where do we draw the line? It's like like something there's some something that needs to be done, right? Instead of and, and it pisses me off because the school I work for, it's very it's very big. They lead with with um racial justice, you know, uh Equality with gender and, you know, and, and like a very new and progressive way of thinking. And I respect it only if there's stuff being done on a level that needs to be done, right? Like, these restorative justice circles turn out to be performative justice circles when this, you know, when this specific person who's like yelling, like telling other black boys racial slurs is going to end up going to one of the best high schools in New England come this fall, right? And it's like, and, and it's just like, now everything seems like a fucking circle jerk. Everything is just such a circle jerk for the parents, for like, you know, we want to make the parents that they're sending this, their kids to, you know, these these great elite schools that have such a progressive way of thinking. But it's just like, behind the scenes, that's not what's really going on. It's not restorative, it's performative. And like it it it's tough, man. The impact, I don't know. It's like the impact that stuff like that leaves when it's just like especially seeing it. And it's like as a student, you see how the school leads with this foot. And then on the back end, you see how stuff is actually getting done. Right? And with private schools, it's worse. It's just like where do you draw the line? It's just like, because a lot of these white kids that are getting away with fucking racist and homophobic ass shit and f- a bunch of fuck shit are the parents that are paying full tuition or damn near full tuition, right? So you got to play the politics game because at the end of the day, at these types of school, the money runs everything. But it's like, if you really want to make a change, it's like, where do you, t- like... You got to take a stand somewhere, man. Like, this this shit that was coming up in this meeting, it's just like, yo, like, how is this shit still, like, how is this still a thing? How, like, how is this still a thing here on this level? And how is nothing, like, seriously being done to address, you know, to address these issues? Right? And then I come across a story. I come across a story this week about the Black Lives Matter organization, and specifically, you know, Patrice Cullors in the $6 million mansion. And this is sort of like that performative justice taking on a national, on a global level, right? We all know how big Black Lives Matter has been for at least, for like the what, at least six, seven years and I think the first, like the first, I think since, I don't know if it was George Zimmerman's um, and Mike Brown or if it was the, the 
I'm sorry, I forget. I'm, or it was Eric Garner. I'm, I'm, I'm confusing my victims, and this is I'm, I'm sorry if this is coming off as disrespectful in any way. Like, but yeah, since then, like Black Lives Matter has taken off not only as a saying, as like a message, as an impactful message, but they're an organization. They're a nonprofit organization. And recently, <coughs> excuse me, the Black Lives Matter Global Fund Network, which is technically an autonomous organization or entity aside from actual BLM grassroots or BLM, but they're still very closely intertwined in terms of like the personnel that runs both organizations, right? They purchased a $6 million um a six million dollar mansion as quote unquote like a safe space um for people of color for black people who may not who maybe feel unsafe or also for like creators and black creators as sort of like an incubation place where they can make and create content that's furthering the movement, if you will, right? And that's wild. Like, forget about and, and it's like it has been used for that, I guess. I, I think the, the, the craziest thing about this story and about BLM in general is like the lack of scrutiny or the lack of like depth of coverage that they're like mis quote unquote mis alleged misuse of funds that they've been going through for the last six, seven years how are so many years since they've been up and running? Right? And I read this article, this whole article on like the, the misappropriation of BLM funds. And this is like, like I said, the biggest example of, you know, this is like that, that my, um, my affinity group that I do at the school that I work at, taken to a global Taken to like a massive scale, right? This performative justice, where you have an organization, and don't get me wrong. And before I say, before I continue, I still believe in that messaging, right? That I understand and I believe in that messaging, right? That Black Lives Matter, like all lives can't matter until Black Lives Matter is basically what it is, and clearly. What we've seen over the last 400 years, but specifically the last 10 years that this has been blowing up, that it seems like black lives don't matter to the police and to the people that run this country, right? You have an organization that's making and receiving this funding through promoting and publicating and standing for these victims like Eric Garner and like Mike Brown and Tamir Rice and the list goes on, right? And the story is, I was digging deeper and like a lot of these families, like the mother and father of the victims that BLM takes to like, that basically elevates this movement, right? They're martyrs to the movement, to the BLM movement at this point, right? They, the family doesn't see any of the money or very little of the money. And, like, a lot of these parents have spoken out against BLM 
and and have basically been like, yo, fuck you. Like y'all y'all getting rich off my uh, off my son, my son's name, and we're not even seeing the money. We we're paying our funeral out of pocket, right? We are still like I live in a fucking motel. I can't pay my fucking bills. I can't pay my groceries. You know what I'm saying? And it's it's tough because yeah, and and, and there's there's been a, a big history on that with BLM. And I guess what 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 surprises me the most is that there hasn't been that much of like that much media scrutiny on this up until the, like this $6 million mansion thing is going to like, unless you're like one of those alt-right people, your algorithm, unless you're just like, you know what I'm saying? You, that's what you're going to see on your algorithm. Right. But like for normal everyday people, like BLM seems like an organization, basically any crazy, global like corporate nonprofit organization it's it's there's a there's shady shit going on there and it's tough because this movement has become very fashionable and and very profitable for some people and that's kind of disgusting um and and like i just see the parallels between that and like the school that i work with sometimes and it, and it sucks right actually I even re- like reading into the story more. It's funny. So this the lady Patrice Colors. She's like one of the three like main founders of BLM. She's no longer like a member, like an executive member of the organization. She does other shit, whatever. And the 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 the, the tale has it that like her like after I don't know if it was a George, after George Zimmerman got off, like she was drunk at a bar with like three other people, and like that's how the Black Lives Matter hashtag started. And then from there, it, like, took off, like, crazy, and it's been on some, like, it's been almost on some, like, fake it till you make it type shit. Like, where she, like, and there's been stories about, like, her, like, and there's been, like, a like crazy disconnect between, you know, the the umbrella um, BLM organization and then, like, BLM grassroots movements in different cities across the U.S. And, like, actual grassroots, and, like, there's been very disconnect in terms of, like, what the vision is. Um, and, and what like they're actually doing, and what the like what the actions are, and like even like they've taken meetings where people have said like yeah like Patrice has come to meetings, and it seems like as opposed to talking about how they're going to mobilize, how they're going to protest this that and the third, she's talking about what to post on Twitter and what hashtags to use on Instagram and what hashtags to use, and like that's kind of funny and. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's crazy. And it's just like, the it's like, how, how, or how have we gone? I, I understand on some level how we have, how we have not, how we, how, oh my God, I can't even get the words out right now. Excuse me, my friends. It's like, this is almost, it almost feels like one of those situations where it's just like, Again, I'll bring back to, like, Nancy Pelosi and the fucking White House wearing dashikis and all that shit during Juneteenth. That's the last time it was during the George Floyd. Well, it was around that. It was that same year of the George Floyd death, right? But it was, like, I think it was for June to celebrate Juneteenth is when they did it for, right? And it's it still seems like a lot of that stuff. And it, and, and it hurts more when it's coming, you know, 
from your own kinfolk or, or your own skinfolk, I should say, right? But the lesson here to learn sometimes is that not all skinfolk are your kinfolk, right? And also, it's just like, who am I? Am I like, like who am I to criticize the Black Lives Matter movement, right? Me and my, and my pseudo black identity, identity, um, who works at a school and like, I don't know, like, am, am I even like, should I get fucking dragged for even going this hard in the BLM movement? I don't know, maybe. I don't give a fuck though. I still, and like I said, I still believe in what the movement stands for. Um, but it's just unfortunate. It's just, just like, it, it's just like another cog and like, it, it was exploited not only by the founders, but by media in general. Sort of be like, yeah, here you go. Here's your, you know, here's your controller that's turned off. You can play, you can play with me and they give you the controller. Well, you know, you're the little brother who don't really know how to play and your control is off the whole time. And that's what it feels like the media did with the with, with the BLM movement because it's just like, I feel like this, like this shit should have been coming to light. And it's just like, it's tough because if you didn't have the facts on you, a lot of this was a lot, it was, I'm not going to say it's hearsay, but a lot of, there was a lot of gray area in their finances and what they were doing. And... I mean, you can you can look all this stuff up. I'm not gonna go down all the facts. I I read this article damn near twice, and it was like a long like investigative piece on sort of the misappropriation of the BLM funds. And I'm not gonna go through every single detail, but it's just like one thing, one even one story that that um that stood out. It was after it was um in Huntington Beach. Apparently, Huntington Beach is like a crazy ass like neo-Nazi, like, skinhead area of Cal- like capital of California or even, like, the U.S. And this dude, I think I believe his name is Tory Johnson. Um, I forget what exa- exactly inside... I, I think, so the, the, the skinheads, right? The crackers, if you will. Um, they were planning an, a White Lives Matter rally. Uh, basically like a neo-KKK rally, a 2022 KKK rally. And he was trying to, he ended up starting Black Lives Matter Huntington Beach. And he tried to organize a counter protest um, to stand against basically a fucking white clan rally at Huntington Beach, which is scary as shit. And Patrice went, Patrice Colors, the then executive of BLM, stood out and basically condemned that and, and was like, like this Black Lives Matter chapter in Huntington Beach, um, they're, you know, they're protesting. And like, I, I want it to be clear that we do not support counter protests because it's not safe, blah, blah, blah. And basically like threw this dude, Tory Johnson, under the bus. And you know what she did instead of, uh, of, providing any support to that specific protest. Apparently they had a, here, let me bring it up here. It was called, sponsored by the Ugg Boot in Cali. She decided to, hold on, hold on, let me get it up here. Um, bah, 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 bah. It's, hard, it's hard being the host and the producer at the same time, but I'm trying, yo, I'm trying. 
Um, so, so Patrice calls. She goes, we want to make it abundantly clear, this is quote, that Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation and the Black Lives Matter grassroots do not support counter-protesting. For that reason, we are not supporting or are affiliated with any counter-protest you may hear about or being organized in Huntington Beach. And instead, my friends, instead, she sponsored a fuck white supremacy, let's get free streaming event sponsored by, you guessed it, Ugg Boot, where guys, where, where people all around the world can join in the live stream and dance in their Ugg Boots in, in, um, in protest to, um, uh, to white supremacy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, that shit's fucking wild. Like, if you want to, like, that's, like, that's performative justice wrapped in a nutshell. Like, like in a, in a fucking nutshell. Um, yeah, it's, it's maddening. And it's, like, the fact that it, it's even taken this, the fact that we, or maybe I'm just late to the party, but I don't think so because I feel like the fact that this is just hitting me now is just, like, Again, this is almost like Sean King. This is like very Sean Kingy, which he's now even going through more shit about his clothing line being he was selling $165 sweater sourced straight from Africa, like black from fucking farm to table, whatever. Um, nobody got their orders and um and now he's under fire for that to shit too. It's just like what the fuck is going on here? Like people are really trying to capitalize on on like people of color and black bodies, and it's fucking, it's, it's weird how fashionable that has this got, and it's just like now it's like such a political token. It's the reason why fucking, like Joe Biden and fucking it, it is you know, out here doing all this fucking crazy dancing and you know, to get elected on on these topics and like leveraging the BLM movement. But nothing's going on, and like they're letting, and that's why even I feel like sometimes on some level the media is letting, you know, I mean we've seen it all over the NBA, we've seen it even in the MLB. It's just like Black Lives Matter, and again, I want to be clear that I support the movement and the messaging on that level. I don't support, I don't support what's been going on with the actual nonprofit organization, and it fucking sucks that you know your own kinfolk are the ones pulling the strings, buying $6 million motherfucking mansions to quote-unquote, as quote-unquote a safe space and a creative incubator for black creatives. Like, fucking mother bloody fuck bitch. Like, what the fuck is that? What does that even mean? And it turns out that Patrice Colors was even using the mansion to host fucking birthday parties for her kids and other personalized shit and, 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 I could go on. I honestly I feel even dirty just going this hard on the movement. Like I said earlier, like it's just like who the fuck am I to criticize on this level? I mean, but like what the fuck, yo? Like what the you know Man, who's the president? Byron. <laughs> and like right now it's just like it's even this is the the reason why BLM hasn't been under any scrutiny hasn't been under any scrutiny is the same reason why everybody is standing for Ukraine right now in this Russian Ukraine shit. And it's the reason why I barely even touched the subject 
on the Ukraine and Russia war. And this is not to say that the, that the Ukrainians aren't suffering, because they are, and it's fucked up what's going on there. Right? Um, but it's just like, at the same time, you have, like, Israel and Palestine, and it's just like... Man, who's the president? Byron! What the fuck is going on there? It's just like, we don't keep that same energy for, for what's going on there, which is even worse. Like, guess the... Like, this week, her name... A reporter was literally assassinated by the Israeli media, uh, the Israeli um, military for trying to cover. I, I forget exactly what she was covering. Her name was Shireen Abu Akhle. Excuse me if I completely butchered uh, that pronunciation. You know, like rest in peace to you. Like she was in a, a, a journalist, a Palestinian journalist, was murdered by the Israeli government, like by the Israeli military, bro. And it's just like. This has been going on for years. It's just like even the, the like and because of like U.S. interests in it, whatever they may be with Israel. It's just like we don't get that same coverage, that same empathy we need to have for for Palestine. It's just like, but we have it for Ukraine, and it's a lot political. And I'm oversimplifying a lot of shit, and I'm going by like that one history class I took. Um, that post war <laughs> in at Berlin University where I studied uh it was like post World War Two and it's just like but yeah, basically all that land where like that Assyria, Palestine, Israel, like all those borders, like they were just written on a line from the winners of the war after World War Two, I believe it was. And it's just like it just dis- displaced a lot of like ethnic groups, which is why which is a big reason why there's there's been conflict in in with Israel and Palestine since those days. Um, but it's just like, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's odd. It's a fucking strange world we live in. And lo and behold, I'm recording this and talking about all of this. I don't think I've gotten this. I don't think I've gotten this in depth about race in America since like episode 10 where I went, you know, full fucking... MLK, I don't know what you want to call it. I'm just fucking joking, but where I had that whole episode about, you know, after that whole shit with George Floyd and, and uh, you know, that friend of mine I had a disagreement with about, you know, sort of, you know, BLM or like the, what BLM means and, and the police in this country and what have you, but it's just like, yo, like, what the, f- like, what, it, you know, what really triggered the, I don't know, it just, it, it was... Crazy timing because it's like that whole thing that happened, it's happening at the school I work at. And then I read this, you know, this this article on Patrice Colors and the $6 million mansion of BLM. And then on top of everything today, Kendrick Lamar's album finally fucking dropped. Oh my goodness. Kendrick Lamar album finally fucking dropped. And I'm so horny right now. And it's a, it's. It's in, it's really fucking good. I've only given it one listen to it so far, and it's just like, it's that's the thing with Kendrick albums. Kendrick albums are a take a while to digest, and so I had to listen to it a lot more. But my first listen through has been great. But it's just like he touches on all this. I mean, he's been gone for five years. Um, what I will say, it feels like a um, like maybe like a more. I don't want to say I don't know if refined is the is a better word. I like it better than to pip a butterfly. It seems like a 
like a more um it's it it has very Tim Pippen butterfly vibes, not as sort of abstract with with like the the, the jazz tone that that um Tim Pippen butterfly has, but it definitely has that. And Kendrick talks about some crazy shit about the world and his life that he's never talked about before. Um, and there's some a lot of heavy tracks on that, but yo, that album is fire, and I can't wait to listen to it like 20 more times within the next five days or so. Um, yeah, what's been going on with y'all, man? Like I said, this is, I don't know, you know, all my New Englanders, we're biting our teeth today. Game six, winner go home tonight. God damn, that game was tough to, um, that game, game five was tough to watch. We was up by 14 in the fucking fourth quarter. I'm saying, you know, I, I'm today, I'm saying we. And you know why I'm saying we today? Because I fell asleep very upset that night. And I had, I had anxiety about game six when I fell asleep that night. I had, like, Red Sox anxiety for the Celtics, which is the first time I've ever had that. So because of that today, and just for today, I'll say we, the Celtics, have to win today. It's do or die. <laughs> um... But no, man, and, and then, um, but yeah, I don't really have much else, you know. It's like, and at the end of the day, too, with I'm going back to, you know, the whole shit I was just talking about right now. It's like, forget the MP, like, nonprofit organizations are just like, they have their own history in this country, this whole, their own capitalistic history of just like, you know, tax exemptions and, Ways to not pay tax for money and, you know, funneling money through this MPO and that MPO to save money here. And it's just like, I don't know, it's just like it feels like Black Lives Matter, while the intent was good, it just fell into, you know, it was a victim of the fucking times. Of It was just like like clout chasing on an extreme level, you know, that's what it, that's what it felt like after I read all, it's just like, this is just an example, another tall tale, of what happens when you fake it, when you fake it till you make it, when you're, in 2020, to you know, in this new millennium, in this new era of social media, um, you know, it's just like another cautionary tale, I guess. And this isn't uh, maybe fake. I mean, and and listen, like I, I like Patri- like I don't want to completely fucking condemn Patrice Cullors and all the other like executives of of BLM at the time. Like, yo, they're human too, and they they probably know they fucked up. And Patrice, you know, they know they fucked up. We're all human at the end of the day. I don't know what I would do if like it's the thing. Like I think about that all the time. It's just like, yo, what if this podcast goes viral tomorrow? <clears throat> then what? Like, you know, what if tomorrow I sign a fucking, you know, a million dollar deal for some reason, somewhere, like I have this crazy fan base and like, I don't know, I think about that shit sometimes. I try not to too much because it's like, and I've talked about this all the time, like that's not why I do this podcast. That's not why I continue doing this after two plus years Averaging fucking <laughs> double digit views on my fucking, with the exception of a couple of episodes on my on on my on 
you know, for a podcast. I have fun doing it, and I still have fun doing it, and I still have plans and more plans for this and more high hopes for this. I mean, look. I mean, it's still blank the wall, but there's the sign there at least, right? And the wall is bigger. You know, it's still empty on that side, and it's still empty on that side, so... You know, I want to make this, you know, I talk about this a lot, but, um, yeah, it's been, it's been like a a challenging week for me on that level. It just kind of bummed me out leaving that, that group yesterday with the kids and just being like, yo, like, this is what we're doing. This is what we preach. Like, yo, the word race is literally in the mission of this school. And you have... These white kids getting away for getting away with this fuck shit. And it's like, where are they getting it from? From their rich ass parents who fucking pay full tuition at this school. And it's just like, you know that and, and there's no accountability uh, there's no accountability there for them. Right? And it's gonna get to a point where it's really harmful at some point in their lives, you know? Like I mean, it's harmful now. It's just like, yo, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's 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 maddening sometimes. Cause I I, you know, I also have plans for like staying in education for a little while longer, and you know, sometimes I do this stuff. It's just like I try my best to think about my impact to these kids. Look at the wrong camera. I should be looking at that camera. Um, but I don't know. Sometimes it's, it's tough. It's just like how much change can you really do at a school like this? You just gotta, you know, it's a chill job when it comes to schools. But it's just like you really, you, it's it's really like you just gotta do it kid by kid, I guess, right? Just do it by doing these meetings and just like having these safe spaces for, you know, these these kids of color to have these conversations without feeling like they're going to get in trouble and all this shit, I guess. That's one way to think about it. That's one way to stay optimistic about it. Um, What else? It's hot today. The weather's nice today. Mm. I'm hungry. I'm going to go eat some Mexican food and watch this Celtics, y'all. So um, until next time, you dirtbags, holla.